Well, I do want to introduce our speaker at this time. Um, his name is Dr. Bill Rice. He is, uh, works and ministers out of the Bill Rice Ranch, which is a camping ministry for young people, deaf young people, as well as uh, young people who can hear. And then uh, also family camp goes down, down there in Tennessee at the Bill Rice Ranch. He's going to be showing a video about the camping ministry there in Tennessee tonight during the evening service. I do want to introduce him to you now. Uh, Dr. Bill Rice III and his wife, Mary, are with us, and we're so glad to have him today. And uh, he's going to come. I'll turn the service over to him, and he'll be preaching to us in the morning service. One thing I love so much about his preaching is it's just so very biblical. You can just see it unfold from the Word of God. And I love it, and I think you're going to love it as well. So, Dr. Rice. John chapter 20. John chapter 20. <clears throat> But you find the 20th chapter of John. We'll look at the last verse in the chapter in just a moment. I want to introduce Mary first. And then we'll read John 20, 31. Got it? Okay, pal, would you stand up so they can see you? My wife, Mary. And we have three kids. They're all grown and gone. Will's an evangelist. He's speaking this morning in Evansville, Indiana. And... Um, he and Cena have three kids, and then Wendy and uh, her husband, Lee, have three children, and then Nathan and our daughter, Wren, have three children, and they're all grown and gone. Uh, Lee and Wendy live in Northern Virginia, and Will and My sister is deaf, and so my parents were concerned that deaf people be able to hear and understand the gospel. You know, a lot of things you and I learn, we learn because of our hearing. Uh, for example, uh, Betty, my sister, was 12. She was 12 years old before she realized that people sound differently when they speak. Betty didn't know that her dad and mother sounded differently because she'd never heard them. And my parents had never thought to teach Betty that. It had never occurred to them. You know that people sound differently, but your parents didn't sit you down one day and say, now, when Daddy speaks, he sounds different than Mother, uh, because you already knew that, and you knew that because you could hear. Well, deaf people miss a lot. A blind person could be in this service and benefit from it, a person uh, with a disability in walking or speaking could be in this service and benefit from it. A person who is educably slow could be in this service and benefit from it. But a deaf person in this service would get nothing out of it unless somebody who loved the Lord and loved them interpreted the message to them. So in 1953, we had our first camp with deaf young people. My dad bought a piece of property in Tennessee, 900 acres. He bought it in 1950 for 20 bucks an acre. And uh, that's, that was quite a buy. Uh, now there's 1,300 acres, and it's all worth quite a bit more than $20 an acre. But we have about 600 campers a week in the summer. We have 200, 250 who are deaf that come in the summer, and then close to 4,000 a hearing campers that come every summer. And uh, so I want you to see the video tonight about the camp, and I know 
you'll enjoy that. How many of you are guests this morning? You're like Mary and me, my wife and I. You may have been here before. We have. But we are not members of the church. So we are technically at least guests. So maybe you've been here before. Maybe you've been here often before. But you're not a member. And so at least technically you're a guest. How, how many like that this morning? Can I say, Wait, great, wonderful. Well, we're glad you're here. And I hope you'll come back to hear Brother Ferguson uh, next week. But not Sunday night, just Sunday morning and not Sunday school, just the Sunday morning service. So you've got a short deal next week. You people who sit on the second half of the auditorium. This is the backsliding uh, section back there <laughs> in the back. Uh, you people won't have to get here as early next Sunday to get your seats because there won't be a Sunday school. Some people this morning showed up, I think, at about 4.30 uh, so they could get their special seats in the back. Some of you think I'm teasing, and I am. That's true. All right. You got John chapter 20, verse 31. If you would, please, out of respect to the Bible, let's just stand as we read. Would that be all right? But these are written that ye may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life through his name. It's a wonderful verse. Would you read it with me? I'll give the reference. I'll just give the reference and let's all read out loud, uh, out loud beginning with, but these are written. You ready? Here we go. John 20, 31. But these are written... Father, help us to submit ourselves to this wonderful passage this morning in order that we can see what you've said. And in order that we can leave this place today with the assurance of salvation as presented by you in the scriptures. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. John twenty thirty one tells us that the book is written in order that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing we might have life through his name. Now, the word Christ means Messiah. That means the one whom the Old Testament prophets had promised would come to save his people. This would be originally the Jewish nation, the nation of Israel, from their sins. We're all sinners and we all need to be saved from our sin. And so the Messiah was one prophesied. For example, in Luke chapter, or in Matthew chapter 2, the Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem. And when he had gathered the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ, that's the Messiah, should be born. And they said it to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. So that is the Christ in whom you can believe in order that you would know that you have eternal life. 
And throughout the book of John, the Bible instructs us to believe in Christ. For example, in John chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 12, But to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons or the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. In John chapter 2, in verses 23 and 24, the Bible says, Now when he, Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. In John chapter 3, and perhaps the best known verse in all the Bible, the Word of God says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In John chapter 4, in verse 39, when Jesus met a woman at a well in Sychar in Samaria, and she said to him, We know that Messiah, that's the Christ, has come. When he has come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said, I that speak unto thee am he. And the Bible says in verse 39 of chapter 4, Many of the men of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all things that ever I did. In John chapter 5, Jesus himself said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. In John chapter 6, when Jesus fed the thousands with the lad, the Bible says, Jesus said that God had promised or had said that those who see him, see Jesus, and believe on him, Jesus, will have everlasting life. And Christ said, I will raise them up at the last day. But not everybody believed on Jesus. In John chapter 7, verse 5, the Bible says, For neither did his brethren believe on him. In John chapter 8, there is a riveting story of Jesus speaking with the religious leaders of the day. That's where Jesus said, Before Abraham was, I am. And that's where the religious leaders of the day accused Jesus of being born in immorality. And the Bible says in verse 30 uh, that as he was there, many believed on him. In John chapter 9, Jesus met a man that was blind and healed him from his blindness. You may remember the story. In verse 38, at the end of the Bible says in verse 32 there, many believed on him there. In John chapter 11, Jesus spoke to Martha of Mary and Martha. And he said in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. In John chapter 12 and verse 11. The Bible says, many of the Jews, because of him, that would be Lazarus, who was raised from the dead. Because of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. In John chapter 13 and verse 9, uh, 19, Jesus said to the disciples while washing their feet, Ye may believe that I am he. That is, that I am the Messiah, the promised one that would save people from their sin. 
In John chapter 14, I love John 14. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know, in the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. In John chapter 16, Jesus said the Comforter, that's the Holy Spirit, would come. And when he would come, he would reprove, he would convince the world of sin, judgment, and righteousness. In verse 9, Jesus said, of sin, because they believe not on me. Now, all of us are sinners, and we have committed many different sins. But the sin which keeps a man from heaven and sends a man to a Christless eternity in hell and the lake of fire is the sin of unbelief. Belief is the key to salvation. In John chapter 18, 17, Jesus was praying what is called the high priestly prayer. And he was praying for the disciples. But the Bible says... But not for them only, but also for them which shall believe because of their word. That means us. In other words, those of us who have believed in Jesus because of the writings and the teachings and the sayings of the disciples are the apostles. We can believe on Christ. In John chapter 19, the Bible says, And he that saw it, that's the crucifixion. And he that saw it, he wrote, he wrote about it. And he wrote the truth, and we know that he saith true, that ye might believe. Now, I love this verse. The writer of John, John, by the inspiration of God, said, The one who saw it wrote this truth, and we know it's true, in order that you may believe. And then you come to verse 31. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Now, believing is crucial to salvation. In other words, you can't be saved unless, <coughs> excuse me, you have believed in Christ. Salvation comes when one trusts, when one believes in Christ. So I have three simple questions this morning about believing, and we'll ask them, and then more importantly, answer them from the Scriptures. All right? Number one. What does it mean to believe? Now, the word as we use it in this day and time is used for many, many things. I, I always think of uh, SeaWorld or Disney World that often use the word believe. Just believe. Or, or the concept if you'll just believe. For example, in Santa Claus at Christmas time, if you just believe hard enough, if you'll, if you'll just believe, it will be true. That's not what the word believe in the New Testament means at all. This is interesting to me. The word believe in the New Testament and the word faith in the New Testament are the same word. In other words, uh, faith is the noun version of the word. It's if you have a body of belief, we call that faith. And believing is the verb 
form of the word. Uh, if I'm faithing, that means I'm believing. And the word faith means to trust in, to rely upon, uh, to rest in. The idea is, I'm a sinner, and I cannot clean up my sin. I cannot get me to heaven. I, I don't even know exactly where heaven is. I know it's up, but I don't know exactly where heaven is. So I can't get me to heaven. I can't save me. But there is a Savior, and I trust in Him. So here's the idea. God, I can't save me, but I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And I'm trusting Him to do for me what I cannot do for myself. To believe means to trust in. It means to rely upon. And the reason you believe in Christ is because He's trustworthy. He's reliable. That's why the Bible says... These are written, I love this, that ye might believe. See, you can believe in Christ because Christ is believable. So to believe means to rest in. It means to rely upon. It means to trust in. It means to say, God, I can't get me to heaven, but you can. And so I'm trusting you through Christ to do for me what I cannot do for myself. Now, the question then is, is there, is there a time... Or has there ever been a day when you came to a place where you trusted in Christ? You believed in Christ. You relied upon Christ to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. To believe means to rely upon, to trust in, to have faith in. It means to trust in Christ. Number one, believing means having faith. It means trusting. Well, somebody says, well, Bill, what... What if, I, what if I don't have enough faith? I've had a lot of people say this to me or ask me about this in one way or another. And the idea is, I, I'd like to believe or I think I believe, but I'm not sure I had, I had enough faith or I'm not sure I had uh, enough belief. And essentially, what you're doing is taking faith and making it works. In other words, it's dependent upon your ability to believe. If my believer is better than your believer, then I'm saved and maybe you're not. See, that's the idea. But that's not what the Bible teaches at all. Everybody here has enough faith or can have enough faith to be saved. I go back to the 31st verse. This is why I love this verse. Now listen to this. But these are written that you may believe. The reason I can believe is because of what's written. In other words... God is trustworthy, Christ is trustworthy, and I can believe. I know things when I trust people in whom I can trust, see, or persons. Uh, for example, uh, Brother Seth, would you, you have a middle name? William Raymond. You never tell people that, do you? No. You know Brother Seth, right? Yes, sir, I do. Uh, you say, uh, what's his middle name? I say, it's Raymond. You say, have you ever seen his birth certificate? No. Have you ever talked with his mom? No. Have you spoken to the attending physician at his birth? No. You say, well, how, how do you know his middle name is Raymond? Okay, what would I say? 
He says so. Wouldn't that settle it? Now, you wouldn't pat me on the back for believing that his middle name is Raymond. Now, now follow this. In other words, you wouldn't say, Brother Bill. That's what I love about you, Brother Bill. You're a man of great faith. Thou, Brother Bill, who didst believe in Jan Raymond. That doesn't sound right, does it? Jan Raymond? Whatever. All right. Thou who didst believe in Jan Raymond. In other words, you wouldn't pat me on the back because you would say, well, anybody could believe his middle name is Raymond if he says it is. In order to believe, in other words, in order for me to believe the pastor, I need to believe he knows what he's talking about. Okay, would that be easy to believe? And I need to believe that he's honest about it. And trust me, if his middle name is Raymond, he wouldn't make that up. So, <laughs> if your name is Raymond, I apologize to you. Okay, so the deal is, it's not a matter of my ability to believe. I'm so capable of believing. What a wonderful person am I who do, doth, whatever, believe in Brother Raymond. No, no, it's not the deal. The deal is, he said his name was Raymond. He told me that's what his name was, so I know what his middle name is. Right, now look, we're not talking about a man here. We're not even talking about a good man. We're not talking about a man of honesty. We are talking about God. So why in the name of common sense could I not believe God when he says, I'm writing this to you in order that you can believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing, you can have life through his name. Question number three. Somebody says, well, what if I can't live it? You know, Brother Bell, I, I would like to, quote, be a Christian, quote, closed. I would like to believe, but I don't want to be a hypocrite. I've seen so many, I, I just don't want to be hip. I don't want to call myself a Christian and then not act like one. You know, I just, I just can abide hypocrisy. Well, that's always sounded strange to me because all of us put up with hypocrisy in a lot of places. In other words, uh, people may tell you they shop at Kroger's because the food is better there. But more likely than not, it's more convenient for them or the food is cheaper there. Now, it may or may not be. That's not my point. My point is, I wouldn't stop shopping at Kroger's because I think there are other people who claim to love Kroger's, but in fact, they just love the prices. Are you following this? See, so there are hypocrites in every walk of life. I don't really quite see why that should keep one from believing in Christ. But the more important question is, I, I don't think I can live it. All right, now I love this. So listen with both ears. This is really important. And don't misunderstand this. Look, you're not saved because of what you do. You are saved from your sin because of the person in whom you believe. Okay, you say, but if a person is truly, genuinely a believer, won't he always live it? Well, 
You folks don't. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, two reasons I know it. Number one, I'm a folks. And if I'm a folks and you're a folks, I know something of how you live by how I live. Does that make sense? All right. Number two, and more importantly, the Bible says that we sin. The Bible says if we say we do no sin, we deceive ourselves and His truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, this is important. I want to live like a believer, but I am not a believer because I live it. I am a believer because I have trusted Christ. See, it's so ironic to me. The very verse that tells us that these things are written that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ is sometimes used to beat people over the head who claim to believe but who don't show it. Now, if you were in Sunday school this morning, you've already heard this, but it's important that we show it. It's crucial that we show it. But showing my faith is not what gets me to heaven. Can I, can I say that again? Showing my faith is not what gets me to heaven. Believing in Christ does. If you've not believed in Christ, you could trust Christ this morning in this building before you leave. And you could have the matter of salvation settled. You say, well, Bill, are you, are you trying to make uh, salvation cheaper? Now, you listen to this, people. You get this. Salvation is not more expensive because you've got to help pay for it. Salvation couldn't be more expensive than the price that God, through His Son, paid when Jesus died on the cross because of your rotten, stinking, filthy, godless sin. And if you will believe on Him, if you will trust in Him, you can be saved. So don't tell me that I have to work my way to heaven. I can't. Well, you say, yeah, but don't you think you should do right? Of course I do, but that's not to get me to heaven That's because I'm on my way to heaven. Listen to this. We almost never hear uh, the 10th verse in Ephesians chapter 2, but I love it. For by grace, verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now listen to this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. I've been placed in the family by Christ. In order that, by Christ, I could live it. But living it didn't place me in the family. The Bible says in Galatians, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Okay, how did I receive him? I received him by faith. I trusted in him. I believed in him. And that's the way I'm supposed to live my life. In other words, I don't say, Okay, the Lord Jesus, you saved me. Now I'm going to live the wonderful Christian life. No, no. I trusted him for salvation, and daily I am to trust him to do for me what I cannot do for myself. So you say, Brother Bill, I'm afraid I can't live it. Hey, trust me, you can't. You're not going to live it. That's not the point. The point is trusting in another to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. So this brings us to two questions at the conclusion of the service. Number one, if you've never trusted in Christ, if you've never believed in Christ, would you today? 
This is important. In other words, would you, where you are sitting, just say, Dear God, I see what you have said in the Bible, and I need to place my trust and faith in you. And so here and now, where I am, as best I know how, dear God, I believe in Christ. I'm trusting in Christ to save me. You can simplify the prayer by just saying, dear God, I'm a sinner. Today, I trust the Lord Jesus as my Savior. Dear God, I'm a sinner. Today, I trust the Lord Jesus as my Savior. If you've never trusted Christ, you need to. And you can. And if you need to, and you can, you can right now. And I would ask you, before you leave this room, that you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life through his name. Number two. There are many of us in this room who have trusted in Christ. I don't know how many. I would think a majority, but I don't know that. But there are many of us in this room that have trusted in Christ. But the Bible says to those of us who have trusted in Christ that we are to go into all the world and preach. And actually, we may look at this tonight. It's having gone or going into all the world, preach or proclaim the gospel. In other words, you and I who have trusted Christ are supposed to tell other people that they can be saved as well through trusting the Lord Jesus. Now, that's really important. It's just crucial that God's people tell people that they can be saved through trusting the Lord Jesus. So the question is, do you do that? Now, look, I'm not trying to put you over a barrel or make you feel bad. I want you to honestly answer this question. When is the last time... As best you knew how, you presented the gospel to somebody who needed to hear it. Now, I don't mean just invited them to church. I think that's wonderful, and I think that's very good. And sometimes we invite people to church knowing that when they come to the church, they'll hear the gospel. Gospel meaning the good news that Jesus came, that he died, that he was buried, that he rose again for our sins, and that all of this was prophesied about the Messiah, the Christ. That's the good news that Jesus died for our sins. You ever tell people about that? Do you ever do that? Has, suppose I said, um, in the last six months, have, have you told anybody about, have you sat down with somebody and explained to them how to be saved in the last six months? Now notice I didn't say in the last six weeks, and I didn't say in the last six days, and I didn't say yesterday. In other words, ask yourself, are you about the business of telling people how to get to heaven? Now, folks, we're supposed to do that. See, God's people ought to be about. Well, you say, you know, Brother Bill, I don't consider myself uh, really knowledgeable about these things. Well, learn. It's okay. Learn. And, and you don't have to, you know, witnessing is not a matter of being brilliant in the scriptures. It's a matter of telling people what's happened to you. It's like the woman at the well in Sychar in Samaria. She said to the men of the city, come see a man who told me all that ever I did is not this the Christ. That's simple, isn't it? She just said, look, I've trusted in the Messiah. Come see this man. 
And we've already seen this morning that many of the men of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman because she testified of Christ in her life. Now, you can do that. You say, well, I don't have a dramatic salvation experience. You don't have to. Being saved is in itself dramatic, is it not? I mean, having your sins forgiven and being on your way to heaven. So ask yourself, in the last six months, and the last year, have you told anyone about the Lord Jesus? And if you have in the last year, how many? You know, I hate to say this, but it's true. If this is an average church, there are Sunday school teachers in this church who have not witnessed in a full year. If this is an average church, there are people who give faithfully and regularly, who support missions around the world, who have never helped someone to come to Christ in Michigan. See, and honestly, that's not right. So number one is, if you've not trusted Christ, let me encourage you to trust Him today. Number two is, if you have trusted Christ, let me encourage you to commit yourself today to the business of giving the gospel to others. 